We're moving into a, a season, you guys. Uh, the word that keeps coming over and over in my mind again is this phrase, it's go time. It's go time. It's time to go. You know, guys, when you look at a ball game and the players are getting ready, sometimes they're, they're running out of that tunnel and they got their game face on, right? They're ready to play. They know that it's, it's time to put up or shut up. That it, it, all the practice is over. It's time to go play. It's time to go put your best effort forward. There are times in our Christian life where God will tell you, practice season is over. It's time to go play. He calls you into the game. And I believe we're in a season where God is calling some of you into the game. And you would say, ooh, I'm not sure I know the calling on my life. I run into that all the time. You, you see a day-to-day -day where we're sending out Chris and Amy, and they have felt this call on their life, and they're saying they know the call, and they're going after it. It's go time for them. And you say, well, I'm not sure I know my call. And I want to give you a few things that can help begin to stir your heart if you're in that situation. One is, if your desire is to follow God and your heart is to do His will, then do what you want to do. You're like, ooh, I don't know if I, if I should trust myself in all that. I'm not sure I'm, I'm trustworthy with that, Kevin. When, when are we going to trust you if we don't trust you now? At what point is this renewing of your heart that God's doing be enough that you would say this thing that is in my heart is, is really the will of God? Whose desire is it? Yours and His. Do you realize that when God calls you to something, more often than not, you're going to want to do it. Now, you might be a little scared of it and all that. But something inside of you is going to build, is going to stir, and you're going to be like, I'm, I know I'm supposed to do it, I'm supposed to do it. And as you're doing it, you'll find out, yeah, I want to do it. So I would tell you, if your heart is on God and you want to serve Him and you want to do His will, I would say this, what's stirring in your heart? Go do that. Go do that. And then there's some things that you might not know that God works for our good. And sometimes He will take the sin in your life, the thing that you thought disqualified you, and He'll actually turn that into a ministry. Have you ever seen that? that? That God will take a failure in your life. He'll take a, an addiction. He'll take a sin. And you thought that's the thing that was going to bury you. And God said, oh no, I'm going to resurrect that into a ministry. Yeah. He said, I'll take those experiences, those downfalls, and I'll use that because you know people like that better than anyone else. So who's more qualified to go than you? So He'll stir that up. And then there are sometimes you'll look at something and you'll just be aggravated by it. You're like, that's just not right. You ever done that? Now obviously there is a critical spirit and we're not talking about them or those people because they're not in the room. <laughs> Praise God. But if you ever find yourself looking at a particular situation and going, that's just not right. It's, it's not organized. It's... It's not the way God wants it to be. Somebody ought to fix that. Well. <laughs> yeah, somebody should. It's probably you. Because yeah. <laughs> you're actually the one that sees it broken. Everybody else is walking right by it. Never saw it. <laughs> They're on their way to their calling. <laughs> that was your calling. That's why you saw it. 
And so times there are things that are troubling you. And you ought to look at those carefully and say, God, is that my problem to fix? Hmm. And sometimes your heart is just stirred to compassion. You ever felt that? Your heart, compassion just wells up in you. Sometimes for the big thing in life and sometimes just for the the casual acquaintances that we have. You see somebody on the street, your heart is stirred with compassion. You know what you should do? Move with it. That's what Jesus did. Look at how many miracles that He performed. And it said before that, said He was stirred with compassion. When compassion stirs in your heart, you ought to consider that maybe a call of God. And so, it's time for us as a church. It's time for us as a church. I've said it in the last couple of weeks that I believe that this, this building, this room, the facilities that we have, they are not big enough to handle the call of God on your life. The collective call of God on your lives, it's not big enough for that. You have more influence than just right here. This is our temporary resting place. But there is more for us. It's time to get up and go. It's time to make plans to prepare to go. That's what we're doing. But in the midst of that, many of you won't be dealing with general contractors and architects and all those kind of things. So what are you to do? I'm glad you asked. Prepare yourself for the call that's on your life. Because it does no good for us to be in a bigger place if you're not a bigger person. If God has not brought you up into your calling in life, that building will do us no good. We don't need a building without people who are walking out their call. That's your assignment. It's go time, people. (laughs) It's, It's like basketball. It's time to play. Time to get on, come off the bench. God is calling you into the game. Now, some of you, you're like, hmm, I'm not sure about this calling. Kevin, you don't know the things that I've walked through, and you're being held by your past. So, I want to take you to Exodus, and we're going to be here for a while. The people of Israel had been in Egypt for 400 years. Ooh, that's a long time to be somewhere you don't want to be. Hmm. 210 of those years, they were in slavery to the Egyptians. They had a promise on their life. God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I'm going to make a great nation of you. (laughs) You might be thinking about that now. Lord, we're not that big. Abraham said, Lord, I don't have any children. What are you talking about a great nation? And God made them a promise. Can I tell you that when God makes you a promise, that He's unstoppable? God had made them a promise. That promise did not stop. But in the midst of slavery, they forgot the promise. You ever had a promise over your life and you forgot it because of circumstances? Didn't work out the way you thought it would? Took longer than you thought it would? And so you thought maybe God had, you had mistaken. Maybe you didn't hear God right. Maybe, maybe God changed His mind. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a promise after all. So they're down here in slavery and they're crying out to God. Listen to what he says. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. Look down at number 9, verse 9. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians 
are oppressing them. A lot of times you go through struggles in life and you're looking around and it doesn't seem like God sees your situation. You ever felt that way? Like, God, do you see what's going on? Do you, do you understand the things I'm going through? God, surely you're not watching. Do you know for 400 years and for 210 years, God said, I've seen it. I've given heed to it. My eye has been on it. I've heard your prayers. Then the next logical question was, God, why didn't you do something? Why, what's taking you so long? I have found that for a real move of God, you need two things. You need God and you need timing. You need God and you need timing. And if you get off of the timing of God, you're going to make a mistake. If you try to push something, you will make a mistake. I believe what happened down in Egypt is that the people of Israel forgot the promise and the pain had to get so bad that they finally wanted to get out of it. Some of us, the pain has to get so bad that we realize that we're in the wrong place. That ever happened to you? You know, you had something going on in your life. Lord, if you just answer, I promise I'll never do it again. <laughs> Y'all are laughing. I'm not the only one that's ever prayed that. <laughs> I promise. I promise if you get me out of it, I'll never do it again. And, and God gets you out of it, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself, you walk right back in it. And, and you know why? Because you didn't hate it yet. You actually still liked it a little bit. That's the reason you went back. See, God always lets you do what you want to do. Let's just make that clear. God always lets you do what you want to do. Because He wants you to have a free will choice in things. So I believe that a lot of times our suffering and our sorrow takes so long because God says, I'm just waiting until you hate it bad enough that you're willing to do something different. And so He's heard their cry. And then He said in verse 8, I skipped that, but now I'm coming to it. He said, so I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and a spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and all them ites. <laughs> Summarize that in case you were looking. Let me read that again. I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up. Can I tell you that in the midst of your darkest hour, God will come down and He comes down to bring you up. If you ever wanted to know His intentions for your life, here are His intentions. He will come down into the middle of your mess. You thought He was scared of your mess. No, He said, I'll go get right in the middle of it. It don't scare me at all. I'll come get right in the middle of it. But don't think I'm staying there. And don't think if I have my way, you will either. Because I came down not to stay down, but to bring you up. To deliver you, it says. Do you know that this prefaces what Jesus came to do? God sent Jesus and He came down right into the mess of this world. But He came down so that He might take us up into His reality. We call that the kingdom. He says, you're already seated with Him in heavenly places. Some of you don't know that yet. 
Yeah, see, He came down not for you to stay where you're at, but to lift you up to where He is. To deliver you. But some of us... Oh, let me read this to you because it won't make sense. He says, I've came to, to deliver you from Egypt to the place of milk and honey. That's how He delivers us. From something to something. See, some folks only wanted to be delivered from something. They don't have a promise yet. Remember me talking about that? That pain is a great motivator. Pain will cause us to cry out to God and, and pray that He will get us out of a bad situation. You want from something. God said, that's fine. But when I deliver, I deliver in two ways. I deliver from and I deliver to. If you have been wanting to be delivered from something, the question you need to be asking, well then God, what are you delivering me to? What promise is there that you're delivering me to something? I see Christians all the time. Did it for a long portion of my life. I thought I would be a good Christian if I could just get all the sin out of my life. So I tried to get stuff from me. And I worked real hard on it. And I will tell you that you can labor and labor and labor and labor on that. And it's fairly futile. Because if you could have done it, there would have been a need for Jesus to come down to lift you up. And we'll preach that. We'll preach that you're supposed to get all that stuff out of your life. Are you listening to me right now? God is changing things. I believe He's shifting. If nowhere else, He's shifting it in me and He's shifting it in us. Just watch. He's getting ready to shift in you. It is easier to leave something if you're headed to something else. It's easier to get out of something if you know where you're going. We're supposed to be promised people. We're supposed to be people who are going somewhere. We're not just trying to get rid of stuff. We're moving to a, to a promise that God has for our lives. I'll give you an example in Scripture. It's over in Ephesians chapter 4. A perfect example of what God does. He's talking, and it's weird because He just kind of interjects this thing in the, the middle of what He's talking about. And He talks about a, a person who's stealing. He talks about a person that's stealing. Now, you would think that in most cases, a person steals because they have lack, right? Now, we don't want to talk about the people who just steal because they're compulsive stealers. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? But we're talking about a person who steals because they, they don't maybe have enough to, for themselves to feed themselves or to feed their families or do something like that. And so they, they steal. Well, in Ephesians 4, chapter 28, this is the progression of God. For his people, it says, "He who steals must steal no longer, but rather be uh, must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has a need." Follow that progression with me. It is amazing. He says, "Right now, you don't have enough for yourself, but God is going to come down into your situation." And He's going to deliver you up into a situation where now you can work with your hands and you can make enough for yourself, but He doesn't want you to stop there. Do you realize that? Some people just think, if I can just get by, that would be good enough. That's actually not what God wants to do in your life. He actually wants to move you to a place where you have more than enough 
so that you can help those who don't yet have enough. Some of y'all got that. I'm going to say that one more time because the rest of you need to get it. Okay? Wherever you are in deficit, if you feel a deficit in your life, God wants to get you to more than just zero. Just back to even. He wants to get you more than just, okay, at least the check didn't bounce. Or, okay, at least I'm not into the same old stuff that I used to do. He wants to move you beyond that to a place now where you're actually life-giving so that you can give to people around you. Please tell me y'all got that. Did you get it? Okay. And so a lot of times what happens is we're just hoping if we can get down to the church, maybe somebody will help us get rid of the sin of our life. We'll go through deliverance and inner healing, and we just want to get rid of some stuff in our life. But I will tell you, the Scripture tells us, Matthew 12, 44, it says you've got to be careful of a swept house. You've got to be careful of a swept Some might be completely good with, if I could just sweep out all the bad stuff in my life, I'll be good. Just, I just need to sweep out all the bad stuff and have a clean, empty house. Matthew 12 says this, be careful of an empty house because whatever it is that you got rid of, might just come back with some friends looking for a good, clean, empty house. And you might be worse off than when you started, it said. Any of you ever done that? You slept, you swept it clean. It was pretty and neat and you thought you were good and you stopped there. Oh, and then your problem came and visited you and brought friends. And you were worse off than where you started. The reason is because we don't preach the rest of the story. You see, not only do you have to sweep the house, you have to fill the house. It is a filled house that keeps stuff from coming back. So I got a new strategy for y'all. Anybody tired of your old strategy? Now, if you're not tired of it yet, keep going. 400 years later, remember this day, Looking back up on podcasts, this might sound like a better idea 400 years from now. All right? So go and try it your way or try this way. Try filling your house with the Spirit of God. Consuming your thoughts with God. Filling up on the Word of God. On worshiping God. Being around God's people. Fill yourself up. Man, I, for the longest time, I was struggling trying to get rid of everything, and it felt like everything was so alive. And then I read Romans chapter 6, and it said this, Consider yourself dead to sin. I said, God, it don't feel dead. <laughs> Consider yourself dead to sin. I said, God, it doesn't feel dead. He said, I know, but act like it is at least. Consider it. Consider it as though it is. I said, you know what? This other strategy's really sorry. It's not working. I'm changing. You know what I stopped doing? Some of you are going to might get mad at me. There's somebody on Facebook will probably write to me. <laughs> I, I stopped asking for forgiveness for everything. I actually did. I stopped asking for forgiveness. I said, you know what, God? It doesn't take any faith for me to believe that I'm a sinner, but it takes a lot of faith to believe that you've forgiven me. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) It it didn't take any faith for me to believe I was a sinner. It didn't take any faith at all. 
It says it's faith that pleases God. I said, God, if I'm going to please you, then somehow i got to muster up enough faith. Not muster up. I just got to accept the fact that you said I'm forgiven. And that if you said I'm forgiven, I ought to just start acting that way. And I said, God, if I do something wrong, I'm going to talk to you about it because I need to come to you about it. But I'm not going through this long, drawn-out process of, of, of trying to you know, beat myself into submission and all these crazy things. I'm just going to believe that you've forgiven me. So I'm going to consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. I'm just going to start trying to fill up on you. It changed my life. Changed my life. It'll change yours. It will change yours. Consider yourself dead to sin. Consider yourself forgiven by God and now begin to fill up your house. It's an amazing thing that when you begin to fill up your house with God, He will run stuff off. It's, it's like when God moves in and He sees something that He don't want, like He's like, excuse me, you got to get out of the way. <laughs> uh, you, you too. And, and He just starts moving. Because you ever notice what happened in Scripture when Jesus came around? All the demons in hell said, oh, I know who He is. Mm, I know who He is. I challenge you, rather than just keep sweeping your house, fill your house. There are some people in the room today, you need to fill yourself with God. That needs to be your new strategy. There are some people that your family, quit worrying about the stuff in the past. Fill your house. You know what happens to a city? We run around talk about how bad everything is in a city and how we got to get all kind of stuff out of our city. You know what we need to do? Unleash the power of God on a city. A city doesn't just need to be swept. It needs to be filled. I'm looking for some people willing to fill themselves, fill their family, fill this city with the presence and the power of God. I got to hurry because I'm not even nearly close. The promise was the promised land. He said, I want to get you out of bondage. I want to get you into the promise. But you look at me and you say, but Kevin, our promise is not a promised land. What is our, what is our promise? What is our New Testament? We're New Testament believers. What is our New Testament promise? Our New Testament promise is the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God it's the reality that wherever God is in control, everything works right. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is this place where when it's people, the people are yielded to God saying, God, I want to do it your way, not my way. We've all gotten our kingdom. But the kingdom of God comes when He says, when we say, God, we want to do it your way. I want to do life your way. I want to fill up on you. And then God begins to unleash His, His power and His presence and His purpose on our lives. Those things are, are key to us here at Ember. The presence of God. The power of God and the purpose of God for our lives. And so it's the kingdom of God in your life when you leave out of here, it's the kingdom of God in your family. Lord, we surrender to You. We want to do it Your way. How is it that You do things, God? 
And then you start doing it that way. To our city. To not complain. Who likes complainers? Quit whining. Unleash the power of God. You know? Let the people in the stands whine. You guys are players. You guys are players. So we bring the the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is advancing. Do you hear me? The kingdom of God is advancing. Harold is coming on Wednesday. Travels all over the place talking about what God is doing in all these different places of the world. (laughs) The kingdom is moving and it's advancing. And everywhere it takes over, things just work right. You see, we've been a part of rulers and kings and bosses who did things their way, not God's way. And when you hear about a king and a kingdom, you're like, oh, that's just more oppression. Hmm, That ain't the kingdom of God. See, when the kingdom of God is released, everybody is set free. Everybody is brought into their calling in life. And so the kingdom of God is advancing. And then the question is then, there are still places that are in chaos, right? Maybe your own life when you walked in was in chaos and it's time to fill that house, your house, with the kingdom of God. Maybe your family was in chaos. Time to fill it. Our community still has problems. You still go places and and it's chaos in the world. Well, what are we to do? I'm glad you asked. Look at what we have to do. Exodus chapter 3. Don't put this up just yet. Wait for it. What are we to do? God speaks to Moses. It's the burning bush moment. He he speaks to Moses. says he's heard the cry. And he says, Therefore, come now. I will send you. That's a long pregnant pause. To let you think. You say, well, what are we to do? God says, come now. I'm going to send you. You say, oh, wait a minute, what? No, clearly, Kevin, he didn't know. He meant Moses. He was was sending Moses. Yes, Moses has come and gone. And this is 2019. God doesn't need Moses. God needs you. Can I say that? Yeah, you're like, I'm no Moses. No, you're not. God didn't need, doesn't need Moses right now. He needs you. And he says, come now. I'm sending you. And, and you say, oh, oh, I, don't, I, mm, I, I just don't know about that. What does he say? He says, if I send you, verse 12, certainly I will be with you. Yeah. He says, you can rest assured that if I send you, Certainly I will be with you. So for anybody in the room saying, I'm no Moses. We'll sing that song for you again. God says, I know your name. I'm not confused. God would say to you, yes, you. He would say to you right now, I'm not confused. I know you're not Moses. I know who you are. I know your name. And I'm sending you. And you say, oh, and then there's a little bit of that that we get a little religious. The religious spirit might come up in the room. You say, oh, no, that's not for us to do. That's for Jesus to do. Jesus came to save the world. It's Jesus' responsibility. It's Christ that's supposed to do this. 
And I'll say, you're exactly right. He said it. But it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. You see, Jesus refuses to do anything, for the most part, without our cooperation. The reason the kingdom of God hasn't come in the fullness the way that it's supposed to is not because He didn't want to come. It's because He's looked at people and says, I know your name, I'm sending you. And people go, oh, not me. Not me. And so, then you might say, but, but that's, not my, that's not my role. I can't, I can't lead on that level. Can I tell you that there are multiple levels on which we have to lead? Multiple levels. We need some, some people who will act like Moses, who, who will have that call, and they'll lead a lot of people. But there wasn't just a Moses. There was an Aaron. He was second in command. There was a Miriam. There's some women that need to step up. If anybody ever told you you couldn't, I'm telling you, you can. That there's Miriams and Deborahs and, and, and there's women throughout Scripture. It's time for y'all to rise up and don't look and go, well, I'm just a woman. <laughs> I'm too old. I'm too young. Oh, come on. You know what the message is next week? Quit making excuses. No, seriously, that's the message next Sunday. Come on back. Bring some people with you. <laughs> so there's women that step up. There's, there's Joshua. He's an armor bearer. Some people say, I can't lead anything. Well, can you bear the weight of some things for somebody who's leading? Come on, do that. Be a Joshua. Come on, be a Caleb. There were 12 spies sent out. Ten of them couldn't get it right. They needed a Joshua and a Caleb. Caleb, his name means dog. He said, let's go get them. <laughs> Arr! Arr! Come on, let's go. He said, it's go time. Let's go get them. There's times where you got to have people in the midst because other people are scared. But you're not. You know God. you got to be a cat. you got to be a dog and go, Rawr! That was pretty good, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it good? The problem is sometimes you don't know who you are. You don't know that there's a call of God on your life. In fact, there are times where the enemy knows who you are and God knows who you are. You're the only one that don't know who you are. The enemy is very familiar with who you are. That's why some of you have had the trouble you've had. He knows enough to know, oh, that one's trouble. Yep, if that one ever gets turned loose, ever gets turned on to God, ever fills their house, that one's going to be trouble. I need to do something to them. If I can quickly take you over to Exodus chapter 1, it says that even in the midst of oppression, it says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. <laughs> the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread. <laughs> Egypt saw... The people of Israel, and they well, let me start here. Israel saw themselves and they said, we're just a bunch of slaves. God can't do anything with us. Egypt looked at them and said, oh my goodness, that's an army. And we better do something to stop them because they're growing out of control. And God saw them and said, yes, that's my army. And I'm coming to get them. Do you see that? Yeah. Can you make that application to your life? That there are times that you don't know who you are. But the devil does. And that's why he's tried to stop you. 
But I will tell you this, that God will advance you even in the midst of the struggle and the oppression of your life. So I'm going to pray for something right now. I'm going to pray for you to be able to look back on your life and see how God has been multiplying you even when you couldn't see it. How God was advancing you even when you couldn't see it. You see, they were growing into an army, but they couldn't see it. God's been doing things in you, but you couldn't see it. I want you to be able to see it, God, right now. For those who have ears, let them hear. Those who can see, Lord, let them see. Who want to see, let them see. Look back and see that in those times that you thought you were being defeated, that God was building endurance in your life. You've gone through so much. You're not a quitter. Good Lord, you would have died by now if you wasn't a fighter. If you wasn't an army, you would have died. You're not a slave. You're, God has, has built endurance in you. You can win. He's been building perseverance in you. He's been building patience in you. You didn't want it, but He was building it. Do you see it? That you're patient. You can wait on things. He's been building compassion on you. You have been beat down so much. That you are the one who is qualified to look at the person who is broke down and still love them. A lot of people can't do that. But you see, he said, even though God, the, the devil meant it for evil, I'll work it for good. Look back on your life. See what God has, has been doing. Building compassion. Building tenderness. Building love. Building perseverance. Building maturity. Do you see it? And don't look at yourself like a slave anymore. Because you're the only one that sees you that way. The enemy is scared to death of what you'll do. God is encouraged by what He has planned for you. It's go time. And then, you say, but I've messed some stuff up. I've... I've made so many mistakes, I'm not sure God can use me. Just real quick, let me give you the biography of Moses. So, they're supposed to kill off all the kids. All the Israel kids, they're supposed to kill off the males because they don't want the, the country to continue to grow and become this army. And so they're trying to kill off these kids. And so this mama has this baby, but she doesn't want this baby to die. And so what she does is she goes and she hides this baby. That's what happens. A lot of times God will birth something in you and you don't want it to die. And the best you can do at the moment is just try to hide it so that it doesn't get destroyed. There's some, there's some things birthed in you guys from years back. Things you wanted to do. Things got stirred inside of you, but you were scared it was going to die. So all you could do was hide it in your heart and pray that when you set it in the nail, that the Nile, that something don't come and kill it. And I'd be doggone if Pharaoh's, sister, uh, Pharaoh's daughter doesn't come. And you're like, oh my goodness, now surely the baby's going to die. She takes one look and goes, man, that's a beautiful baby, even though he's crying. She looks at her sister and she says, go find somebody to nurse this child. Guess who God found for her? That baby's own mama. And Scripture says that Pharaoh paid that mama to nurse her very own baby. 
man. That's what God does. She said, my baby's going to die. There is no way I can take care of him. God says, hold on a minute. I'm going to pay you to do it. That's got to settle in because you ain't even used to seeing God that way. Some of you are not even used to seeing God that way. He said, hold on. He said, I'll even pay you to do the work. And so she comes, she nurses this child, and then she hands him over to Pharaoh. And you're thinking, oh, that's a bad deal. Mm, that's not a bad deal at all. Because see, Israel saw themselves as bond slaves. So you had to take a bond slave and put him in the courts of a king so somebody would know how to rule and reign like a king. Wow. Hmm. Some of us need to hang around some kings to learn to live like the princes and the kings and the princes we're supposed to be. You got to quit hanging around a bunch of bond slaves, some people that don't know who they are, some people who aren't going in the right direction. God says, if you if I can't put you in the king's house, you can't be who I want you to be. Mm -hmm. Some of you need to hang around here because you need to know what it looks like to be around some Chris and Amy Benders who say, I'm going with God. Because there's too many people say, no, nah, I can't go. You need to position yourself and God will create the opportunity. So Moses is actually trained by God, by Pharaoh, to lead nations. Because he's getting ready to lead one. But he gets ahead of God and he kills an Egyptian. And then he has to run. And at that point, the dream's dead because you know he messed up. And now he has to run and he says, that's it. I've made a mistake and I can't recover from this one. Everybody breathe for me. Do it again. If you're still breathing, God will come down and raise you up and redeem you. And if you're still breathing, His mercies are still new. That's a good place to clap. And, and then what D says, that's a good place to clap. Yeah. So God said, I'm not worried. He tells you, I'm not worried about your mistake. You're like, God, I don't know how you're going to work it out. Here's how he worked it out in Moses. He said, well, Moses, why are you out here wandering around in the desert? By the way, that desert you're wandering in is the one that in a little bit you are going to lead an entire nation through it. That's what God will do if you'll let Him. That desert you've been wandering through you feel like you can't get out of it. You feel like you've messed up too bad. You've been put on the backside of the desert. If you're not careful, God will look at you and say, you know, there's some other people getting ready to have to go through that same desert. I'm going to teach you in the wilderness so that you might lead a whole host of people actually through the wilderness into their promised land. That was better than you acknowledged. what God wants to do in you. God's going to take your failure and actually use it to lead some people through. If you're still breathing, there's still hope because God's mercies are new. So the, the only thing we need is this. We just need a good yes. We just, 
you've heard me say that before. One good yes is worth a thousand no's. You've been trying to say no to all kind of stuff in your life. If you'll just make a good yes to God, all the other no's will take care of themselves. I'm looking for some people. It's game time. And God is saying, I want to do something. Come now, I'm going to send you. Come now, I'm going to send you. And I want to know if you're willing to go get in the middle of it. I want to know if you're willing to say yes. Stand with me. Praise team, come up here. Chris and Amy, will you guys come as well? There, there is no question that the call of God is on your life. <laughs> there is no question. The only question is if you're going to say yes or not. So if you're scared, I've got some people who might have been scared but said, yeah, I might be a little scared, but we're going anyway. You know? And they said, yes, God, we're going. And so if you're, if you're scared and you're a little bit confused and you're not yet sure of the call, sometimes you have to say yes and you don't even know where you're going yet. Abraham... Come up and go with me. Abraham says, where am I going? God said, I'll show you in a little bit. <laughs> you can't handle it now. Just say yes and come. I, if, if you're scared, if you feel this call on your life and you say, I, I just feel like I need something. I want you to come. They're going to lay hands on you and they're going to pray. I'm going to be over here. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, go time for you is saying yes, Lord. And yielding your life to Him so that He might fill your life up. And one last thing. Pull your phones out. Mom and Dad don't have a phone. Mom, don't, don't worry about it. They, they do. They do. I got them a phone. It's the flip phone though. So they don't know how to text on it. If you don't know how to text or don't have that kind of phone, pull out a pen in that seat and an envelope. And then what I'm getting ready to ask you to write, you can drop in these black boxes back here. If you've got your phone, there's a, a text number. You thought I'm serious. I'm, I'm not preaching a message and walking away from this, y'all. This is the season we're in. That's the number. I want to know if God has put a call on your life, I want you to text your name and your call, and we're going to begin to pray for you. And wherever we can, we're even going to begin to help you walk out that call on your life. And if you say, I don't know what that call is, text your name and just put help. And we're going to start helping people. Just real quick. Chris and Amy said yes, and they're going to go and prepare the bride of Christ. Gerald Siegel starting a youth soccer club. That's the call that's on his life. Molly has a bookstore. And people come in and out and pray all the time. Karen is a house mom for the Center of Hope, a women's center. Kim Sconyers left a very nice job at Catawba Mental Health to come be a director there. Surrendered her life and said, yes. Had a lady come up last week and said, there won't be a hungry person in Chester. She don't know how she's going to do that yet. But I'm telling you, that old school way and I, I hate to step on some toes, but I might. 
That old school way of saying, well, if I can just reach one. If I can just save one. If I can just help one. Do you realize that when Christ came, He didn't die for one, He died for all. Let that settle in. He's interested in more than just one. Yes, we'll go after one. He'll leave the 99 and He'll go and find the one. But some of you, your vision for life is too small. Your vision for yourself is too small. When I was a part of the building program over at Chester Freedom Ministries, we broke ground. A a dear friend who has passed away now, Bishop Dr. M.A. Thomas from India, he came from India to dedicate the property. His prayer was this, Oh, Father, good vision. Vision too small. Vision too small. Steve and I, my father-in-law, he's still the pastor there. We looked at each other and said, That vision is not too small. It is too big already. It's too big. Some of you are saying, uh, no, uh-uh, don't say that. Your vision for you is too small. You're not supposed to just reach one. The housing ministry is not to make a house for just one. The housing ministry is to make sure that anybody who wants a house can have one. Feeding hungry people is to make sure that no child goes to bed hungry. Harold Everly that's coming on Wednesday is coming and he's going to tell you that God told him to end slavery in Pakistan. There's hundreds of thousands if not millions of people who are still in slavery in Pakistan. And God told him, said, by the year, I think it's like 2017, he said, Harold, stop it. End it. Woo! Now that's a God-sized call. Some of you, your vision is too small. And I'm praying that God will give you a God-sized vision for your life. Because if not, you'll get stuck. You'll get bored. Some of y'all, you're bored anyway. That's what's wrong with you. That's what's wrong with you. You're bored. You're, You're not doing enough. You're not doing what you called to do. So you're bored. Yeah, I know the, the, the messages I'm preaching are different now, right? If you just came, I used to preach these messages that built people up. <laughs> I told them how much they were loved. Yeah, you still are. But it's go time. 